Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 115 of Sports Speak. I'm Eddie Kalegi. Tim Moore's not here today, and I don't think I'll be here next week. So uh, we'll get me and Tim back together in a couple of weeks. Zoe Alter, though, is going to be joining us in just a little bit to talk about all the latest in the NFL and Major League Baseball. But obviously, since I'm a Nets fan, we know where we have to start today. Lots of drama surrounding the Brooklyn Nets, and it all stems once again from an off-the-court incident with Kyrie Irving sharing a link to an anti-Semitic documentary and then having multiple chances to say that he himself was not anti-Semitic, he did not, and the Nets finally reacted. They suspended him for at least five games. Adam Silver spoke out. The Players Association spoke out. Kyrie later apologized. Now, there are people saying that this is going to be the last time we see Kyrie Irving in a Nets uniform. I don't think that's going to be the case because given what we've seen from the Nets in previous times where there's been other antics surrounding Kyrie Irving, he always seems to get another chance to come back. But I'm just going to be honest, as someone who has been a Net fan for a long time, it's becoming very difficult to root for this team given what we've seen from the front office and from the players in recent years. Now, Kevin Durant, I'm usually, I'm not that critical of Kevin Durant compared to some of the other players. People have their feelings about Durant trying to come to Brooklyn and his feelings about Golden State and going there to try to win rings. But I respect him as a person and as a player. This is way too many incidents with Kyrie Irving. And again, this one has crossed the line. Him saying the earth is flat, then everything with the vaccine. But now this has gone way too far. But at the same time, Nets ownership isn't perfect either. Joe Sy, of course, works with Alibaba. And we know all the scandals with that and with China. So it's just there's a lot of different incidents that have gone around with the Brooklyn Nets organization. And then on top of all of this, I should be excited. You know I've been critical of Steve Nash's coaching, and I was excited at first when the Nets got rid of him after the slow start to the season. It was a little weird that it came in the middle of a back-to-back after a win, but now that we've learned that this was a mutual agreement between the Nets and Joe Psy, um, between Steve Nash and the Nets organization, rather, it it does make a little, little more sense that he wanted to leave on a win. And I've been critical of his timeouts, his game management. I don't think he's the best NBA coach and he couldn't really control these players. And it was weird that Kevin Durant wanted him out after he had originally recruited Steve Nash. I felt good about that. And then you find out that the Nets, with all the other distractions, with everything with Kyrie Irving, with the uncertainty of whether Kevin Durant wants to be there, with the uncertainty as to whether Ben Simmons even wants to play basketball, they're going to bring in potentially a coach who is currently suspended by his own team for sexual improprieties. Like why, why would you do that? And I know Ime Yudoka was an assistant with them. I know he's a good coach, but with all the other bad PR and having to play in the biggest market in America, why would you add to this, especially with all the distractions already for the Brooklyn Nets? So it's a tough spot. I still think they can recover after all this. They're at two and six with the 10 spots in the Eastern Conference and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons all being solid basketball players. Claxton's look good to start the season. So is Joe Harrison, Royce O'Neal. They can recover. They can still contend in the East because the play-in tournament has made the regular season much more forgiving. But as a Nets fan, it's a very difficult spot to be in to continue to root for the team at this point with so much uncertainty, so many scandals. And the worst part of it all is that most of the problems that have happened with the Brooklyn Nets in this era over the last three to four years have had nothing to do with what goes on in the basketball court. So that's my two cents on that. We'll see what happens with the coaching hire. We're recording this Friday afternoon, so no news yet about whether Ime Udoka is actually going to become the head coach. But uh, let's move on now. Zoe Alter is going to be joining us to talk some MLB and NFL.
Well, we're continuing here on Sportspeak, episode 115. Eddie Kalegi here. Joining me now, a Big Ten rival of mine now, joining me from Northwestern University to talk some baseball and football, Zoe Alter. Zoe, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. This is like our first live college one. I know, I know. And we'll get we'll get to Rutgers and Northwestern football at the end because neither of them. No, we so. really don't yes, have to. Yes, do that. we have to. We have to. But let's start with Major League Baseball, the World Series. The Astros are now up three games to two. They just won back to back games in Philadelphia. I thought the Phillies were gonna run away with it when they hit like five home runs in game three. Then they get no hit the next night. And then last night. Noah Syndergaard got outpitched by Justin Verlander, which as a Mets fan does make you a little happy. But uh, <laughs> you, told me, you told me as a Met fan that you're actually rooting for the Phillies right now. OK, like I'm conflicted, right? Because obviously I don't want the cheaters to win. And but then also on the other hand, like I don't want the Phillies to win because they're like in the Mets division. I think I'm just glad that it's not the Braves or the Yankees in the World Series. And so I think because of that, I have less of an opinion. So I don't feel as strongly. However, I'm always an underdog fan. And I feel as though I like the no one saw the Phillies coming, really, or at least I didn't. So I think I'm supporting them. However, before we started filming, you brought up a very good point that if the Astros win, it will make Yankee fans very angry. And now I think I might be indifferent to who wins, because if the Phillies win, great the Astros lose but if the Astros win great Yankees fans are pissed so honestly I think I'm okay either way and just to throw another level of complication into this Tim is actually rooting for the Astros because he hates the entire city of Philadelphia so Hmm, that's such a Tim thing to do I know so I don't (laughs) know it's complicated honestly as a Met fan I've said it before I'm just happy that all the other good teams in the National League lost. If we're going to go down in the playoffs, so, we're bringing everyone else down with us. So That's what I'm saying. Like, if we're going to be a train wreck, everyone else needs to crash too. Yeah, but Philly had their chances. You know, you go up 2-1, you look completely dominant in game three with the fans there. Apparently on the Penn State, like, seismograph thing, they registered with the re- reaction to the Harper home run. So, but now you get no hit the very next night. And then you can't score in the late game against Houston's bullpen against Rafael Montero. I mean, come on. So Astros up three to two should be interesting to see game six and seven this weekend. I think Houston's going to be able to close it out. I don't see them dropping two games at home, uh, especially with Frumber Valdez starting one of them. But let's move to the NFL, Zoe. Now, let's talk about your Detroit Lions. They have one win so far this season. Dan Campbell seems like a really nice guy. And I think Dan Campbell would be a tremendous high school football coach just with the way he can inspire his players. But I do not think he really has the capacity to be an NFL coach, no matter how much he can rally his team, because the guys like playing for him. But that that, that only takes you so far in the NFL. And even with a weak NFC, they only have one win. And he also should not be calling plays. But Jared Goff has been bad. He's been better than Aaron Rodgers, by the way. So I, I you know what? I gave you Jared Goff in the Sports Speak Fantasy League. So Thank you, you so that. much. You're very welcome. But and I gave who Bellows. I gave him like Hertz or something, and now he's crushing everyone. Yes, so. we've all been so nice. And then Ryan gave me Devontae Adams, and he only had one catch for three yards last week. So yeah, it did not work out. But Things are definitely not working out for Detroit. So as a Lions fan, are you hoping a coaching change comes at the end of the season? I don't want it. Like, I know that Campbell has everyone's like, oh, he can't coach. And to some extent, I do agree. I think there are certain plays that he's called that I've been like, oh, 
why would you call that play? That clearly doesn't make sense. Or just like stupid coaching decisions or like doesn't play the clock well, certain things like that. But I think in terms of a head coach, like normally your head coach isn't the one calling your plays. Like your head coach is the one who challenges. Your head coach is the one who like organizes things. But your offensive and defensive coordinators are the ones who really call those plays and like do the nitty gritty. So I feel like in that sense, it's okay. I don't think I want to see him go just because even though the Lions only have one win, first of all, it's only his second season here. And second of all, this is a more fired up Lions team than I've ever seen. And there's still some really good play on this team. The Lions have been really plagued by injuries this year. So I think if it weren't for a lot of injuries, there would have been a lot closer games. I also think it's really, it's a young team. So they're all getting used to playing together. I mean, Swift has been hurt half the season. Amon Ra, like, barely sees the field anymore because he keeps getting concussed. We don't hear anything about Okuda, but Okuda's been playing great. Like, there are just certain aspects that I think are hidden that have either players who are hurt or have been playing really well that you just don't really see that much. And then uh, the only thing that I really disagree with that Campbell does is he doesn't challenge. And that drives me insane. Like, there was that one play at the goal line where it was so clearly, like, a touchdown, and he just didn't challenge it. And so he stopped it at the one yard. I think it was like Hawk or someone. They like stopped it at the one yard line and the Lions ended up losing because of it. And it's just certain things like that that are just like, you just need to challenge. And I feel like he's such an ambitious guy that it surprises me he doesn't challenge. But other than like a couple coaching decisions like that, I definitely don't want to see him go. Because I mean, right now you're already like not doing great. And I think he is the one who could possibly make the program get better. And I think if you bring in a new coach, you revert back to doing bad for more seasons instead of having that upward trajectory. I also think there's problems with the front office. I mean, I don't I really like the Hawkinson trade, especially in division. No. And then for some reason, the Lions are trading away draft picks when they're trying to tie. Literally, I couldn't even explain. Like, I have no idea. I understand. At first, when I saw the Hawk trade, I mean, I texted you, you texted me. And that was like, I was taking a test before then. So, like, the first thing I do when I walked out of my test was I, my tech, my test is I look down and I see a text from you that says, what do you think about the Hawkinson trade? And I was like, what? And I was like, there's no, like, you were the bearer of bad news. I was like, fantastic. And then I saw my ESPN notification. But, so when I first saw it, I was annoyed. Because I was like, this is one piece of our offense that we need. Lately, he's been really good. Jared Goff barely can hit anyone else. So, like, we need that. Especially, the Lions are very low on receivers now. Like, there's no question about that. And so I wasn't the most happy about that. However, it was at the end of his contract, right? So he was going to be done after the season. So you may as well get something for him instead of just like one conditional third or fourth. You get a second, you get a third. Now the Lions have two picks in the first, two picks in the second, two picks in the third. And I get that. The thing that made me really annoyed was they traded away the conditional pick. Like you're supposed to get that because you got rid of him and you decide to trade that too. Like that made me annoyed trading away that. So I think it's like a give and take. I'm happy they got something for him because we've seen them in the past with prospects such as like Darius Slay, where they've literally gotten like basically nothing. And that makes me really angry. So I'm glad the Lions got something, but I'm not happy with the trade. I think for a pro bowler, you could have done a lot better, especially someone who's considered a top tight end in the league. So Lions are obviously going to be drafting early in the draft this year, probably Uh... first or second, depending on how bad the Texans go the rest of the way. Do you think they need to try to get one of the quarterbacks, like a Bryce Young or a Stroud? Yes. And there are some other prospects. I was actually looking this morning. I was looking at, like, Mel Kuyper's stuff because he released, like, his first report. And I was looking, and there's, like, some line guys who are pretty high up. And that would be great. Like, it'd be so cool if we could have Hutchinson on one side and another amazing rusher on the other side. But you can't go anywhere without a quarterback. And I don't think you're going to re-sign Jared Goff because – 
he's going to want a decent amount of money at least. And there is no reason to pay him even half as much as he's being paid right now. There, There's literally no reason. So I think you may as well look to a rookie, pay him less and build your team around them. So I do hope that they take a QB. I think that'd be their best move, especially because you have all these other picks that you can use to trade up if you want to trade up for someone else too with that other pick, whatever, wherever the Rams end up landing. So I think it's a good idea to take a QB. And I think, honestly, if they think that the Texans, like if the Texans get one, the Lions get like two or three, and they think the Texans are going to take a QB at one, I think there's a very decent chance the Lions do trade up to get the QB they want if there's like a certain guy they want. I haven't heard, like I don't know yet. Obviously, we're not close to there. But I do like CJ. There's a bunch of QBs that I really like that I think the Lions could build their team around. What I'm really excited for is Thanksgiving when the Lions play the Bills. That is going to be one of the most hilarious nationally televised games it's thanksgiving is so horrible and honestly like thanksgiving has become one of my least favorite holidays and it's not just because like i don't like turkey like it's literally because i can't sit there and have the world mock the lions on national television year after year like i love that they play on the holiday i love that i get to sit down and watch a lions game like it's so nostalgic whatever but the fact that i need to receive 46 texts every thanksgiving about how bad the lions are and i can't even go on social media for the rest of the day because if i go on twitter i want to cry myself to sleep over how much everyone's embarrassed by the lions is awful and not to mention you're literally playing the bills who are one of the best teams in the league right now and i honestly think there's such a solid chance that the lions get shut out in this game like i'm not even joking like i would almost bet on it so it's not even like it's going to be a fun game to watch like it's not fun for a lions fan But obviously, it's somewhat entertaining when, like, in a previous year, like, Matt Stafford throws, like, four interceptions on Thanksgiving. Like, ah, so funny. But literally, like, I don't think Jared Goff's going to be able to do anything. So unless Hutch, like, gets something together and starts working, I don't really know. I'm Obviously, I'll watch the game, but I don't think it'll be a very nice day for me. Uh, I love the Lions Thanksgiving games. There's always something that happens. Like, when David Blau was the starting quarterback... Or I'm when so McDonald's stamped uh, stomped on uh, Matt Schwab that time in the Texas. That was a good time. Yes. I I did really enjoy that. Um, no, I and Dominican Sue was a whole era. Like honestly, that was that was peak Lions. But I'm glad that someone gets entertainment out of Thanksgiving because it's certainly not me. But I'm glad that it makes your day and that you're very thankful for the Lions. Well, let's talk about the person who got out of Detroit, Matt Stafford, in his second season with the Rams. They have not been very good. All of the teams that were expected to be good in the NFC just aren't. And they play the Bucks this weekend. Tom Brady both, has not been that good. Both of them suck so yeah. much. Like, they've both been so under meeting expectations. Which one do you think is worse, though? Eileen, I'm, I'm torn because I feel like the Rams as a team were expected to do more than the Bucks, And they also, Stafford is not a 45-year-old quarterback. But at the same time, Tom Brady is so distracted by the divorce and everything. And he's just not even with the team half the time. He doesn't even practice a lot so he's allowed to just travel away from the team and I know he's earned that I know he's won seven Super Bowls but then you can't expect the same results if you're not practicing with this with the guys day in and day out so like I said it last week I feel like Tom Brady this is kind of the end and this matchup with the Rams this week which was probably hyped up before the season started as one of the better regular season games of the year is probably just going to be really bad with a lot of turnovers and poor offense. And I have no idea who's going to win that game. My gut tells me the Rams because they're healthier and Stafford has been at least a little better than Brady, but I have no idea where that game's even going to go. 
it's weird because I've always been like the biggest Stafford fan, right? Like, obviously, like I still have his jersey framed in my room at home. Like, I'm always going to be the biggest Stafford lover, and that's never going to change. But I do feel like because he won the Super Bowl and because I am a Lions fan at heart, I don't want the Rams to do well this season. Like, if the Rams tank for the rest of the season and end up getting an early pick, that's the Lions pick. So I'm happy about it. So my gut like wants to root for the Bucks because I want the Rams to lose. But I don't know if the Bucks can pull it off. And I know they have certain weapons, but the Bucks have been hurt, hurt. They've been all over the place. And I feel so bad for Tom Brady. Like, I know people are like, oh, whatever. But, like, I feel so bad for him. Like, can you imagine going through that? And then also, like, there's so much pressure on that man. And I feel like a lot of times, like, he was so confident because everything else was fine. But now everything else in his life is falling apart. And so football, like, can't fall apart. So I feel like there's an extra level of pressure on him. And I just feel so bad for him. But anyway, I I feel like morally, like, I want him to win because I feel really bad for him. But I don't know if I agree with you. I think I don't think the Bucs can pull it off just because they're in such a slump right now. And unless something, like, monumentally changes, which I don't even know what that could be, but I don't even know how to turn their season around. But right now, like, they're in a ditch I don't think they can get out of. Yeah, they're in trouble. The Rams are in trouble. And also the Lions' great rival Aaron Rodgers is also in a bit of trouble. And then what I don't understand is the Vikings trade for a tight end. The Bears trade for a wide receiver, even though they're awful. They trade for Chase Claypool. The Packers, despite it being one of the most active trade deadlines in recent memory in the NFL, still didn't get Aaron Rodgers a wide receiver. Yeah, I honestly, I don't even know. I'm so happy they didn't. Like, honestly, I think one of my greatest joys in life is seeing Aaron Rodgers be upset. Like, Honestly, like, if I was ever, like, really deeply depressed, like, it would be a highlight reel. Like, the thing that would cure my depression would be a highlight reel, like, of Aaron Rodgers being really upset. And so I'm doing well. Like, I'm great. He's been playing sucky. That's all I've ever wanted. People are finally realizing he's not that good. All I've ever wanted. He's too old. Everything that's going on with Aaron Rodgers, I am totally happy about. And I'm okay the Packers didn't trade for anyone. Like, I think they have other weapons. I still think their running backs are dangerous. Like, no matter what you say about it, both, like, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, like, are both really scary in the backfield. And I agree. Like, Aaron Rodgers could use some more weapons, but I'm happy he doesn't have them. And maybe they just didn't want to spend it on, because like, spend it on someone. Because I think I don't see Aaron Rodgers, like, as a long-term future there. Like, I'm sure he's almost done there, for sure. Like, we didn't even know if he's going to play. So... I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money on like these contracts for people unless it was like a short one year deal because there's no reason to because obviously they're about to go into a rebuild like there's no question about that they don't have the core to not go into a rebuild so in a sense it makes sense because if they're just deciding they want to tank this season for the draft pick that works too. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, the one NFC team that's doing really good is Jalen Alexander Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, who are a perfect 8-0. A little bit of a scare from the Texans last night, but they were due to kind of play down to their opponent. And people are ridiculously overreacting about that. They still won by 12 points on the road, so I I don't want to hear it. So the Eagles are 8-0. You actually think the Eagles are the real deal? I mean, they're undefeated. The NFC is wide open. Yes. But also, like, the teams they've played haven't been that good. And some who, in of the the NFC, who in the NFC is better than the Eagles? I mean, in terms of, like, stats, no one. But, like, I don't know if I would necessarily, like, always say that the Eagles are going to beat the Cowboys every time they play them. Uh, I think Dallas has a lot of problems this year. And I love seeing... They have a lot of problems, but, like, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Like, I think for a team that's undefeated, I don't think they're as solid as some of the other undefeated teams we've seen. 
Like, do you think that they genuinely have a chance to go deep in the playoffs? Because I see them getting to the playoffs and then losing. Well, that's the thing. They can probably get through the NFC pretty easy because the NFC is so bad. I yeah. agree with you that they might not be as good as some of the other teams that we've seen, like the Patriots when they went undefeated that year, obviously. But the way their schedule is and the way the NFC is, has worked out perfectly that I don't think it's that hard for them to get to the Super Bowl. In terms of winning the Super Bowl against the Bills or the Chiefs, I don't see that happening. But, <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll take a deep playoff run, a 15-2 and two season and a run to the Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts because where we were last year at this time, a lot of people thought Jalen Hurts wasn't even going to work out and they were going to bench him eventually. And now he's become a much better quarterback. A.J. Brown has come and he's looked great. Dallas Goddard has really filled the role of Zach Ertz in that defense, which just added Robert Quinn. Plus they have Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jordan Davis. That's probably the best defensive line right now in the NFL. So I know they've had an easy schedule. They have also beaten handily the only one of the only other really good teams in the NFC in the Minnesota Vikings. And they've already beaten the Cowboys this You're year. You're considering the Minnesota Vikings really good. They only have one loss. Yeah, but you're going to say it's compared to the the rest of the NFC. The NFC is so bad this year. Like, I'm not going to lie with you. They are. But I don't see the Vikings as a competitor. Like, I think I just have to get over the fact that I will always see the Eagles as bad. It's like how if the Lions ever got good, you would still always see the Lions as like not a good team because they were comparing the Eagles to the Lions. The Eagles just won a Super Bowl five years ago. No, I am. I am. I am here. But. I feel like the Vikings are mightily overrated. And what I'm trying to say, it was actually a compliment. Because what I was going to say was that I believe more in the Eagles this year than I do in the Vikings. I have very little confidence in the Vikings because they always have flashes. Justin Jefferson looks great. Kirk Cousins can throw the ball, even though he sucks. Like, there's always little flashes, but then they never do anything with it. So, I mean, I'm rooting for the Eagles for you. Like, if the Eagles go all the way, absolutely go all the way. But... And I'm happy that they're getting wins, but I think if this was any other season where the NFC NFC teams could actually do something, or if Tom Brady wasn't going through a divorce, or if Aaron Rodgers was playing like Aaron Rodgers, or if Matt Stafford was playing like last year Matt Stafford, or just any of those, I think it would be a lot more of a competition. But I think because it's so weak, it's making the Eagles look a lot better. But I don't know how strongly I believe in them as a team. Fair enough, but... Obviously, the NFC is going to be pretty easy. I mean, think about the opponents they might have in the playoffs. That's true. I, I, I still think I still think the Giants are going to steal one of the regular season games against the Eagles. But I think if they matched up in the postseason, I trust the Eagles over the Giants. You think the Giants I, are this year? Because I can't do it right now. Like, people are the Giants are great. Uh-uh. The you Giants- are very lucky that Tim isn't here right now because he's... Oh, I know. he would And I'm so that. mad about it because I, I made fun of him when he said they were going to go 11-6. and six, And now they're sitting 6-2 and two and they're on pace for that, so... I don't know. So I, I don't know. I I have trouble believing that the Giants are actually going to like finish the season. Like I think they're going to start really well. And I still have the suspicion that something's going to go wrong and it's all going to fall apart. But, but the thing is, with your argument, the NFC is so bad. That's and the problem. NFC East has such an easy schedule this year. It is entirely possible that the entire NFC East makes the playoffs. Because now the Commanders are four and four. Dallas and the Giants are good and the Eagles are great. So and if right. the Bucks miss the postseason, the Packers miss the postseason, we can literally have a playoffs where the NFC is the four NFC East teams, the Vikings, Geno Smith, Seahawks, and Mariota and the Falcons. And that's amazing. That would be unbelievable. Literally, like, I can't even imagine. And it's so aggravating to me that at this time when every, like, almost all the NFC, te- like, NFC teams suck, 
the lions suck even more. Yeah. And that's what's so painful because like this was supposed to be like not like a great season. Like I wasn't expecting playoffs, but like I was expecting a decent record. And the fact that the Lions have one win and the Eagles are undefeated and the Giants and the Jets are considered two of like the good teams in football right now is horrifying to me. Like that's ridiculous. And I think that's like the biggest issue I have with the NFC this year. However, I agree. I think things will look a lot different just because of the caliber of the teams in the NFC right now. And like, I have a question for you. Do you think there's like a reason like why all the teams suck or is it just like the way it is this year? Because I like, I don't think anyone could have predicted that the whole NFC would be this week. I think it really is a case by case basis. The Bucs have a 45 year old quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is old. I don't know how much he even cares. And the Packers don't give him anything yeah. to make him play better. The Rams are coming off of a Super Bowl and teams don't usually repeat in the NFL. The 49ers had all the controversy with the quarterback and then Trey Lance got hurt. And let's be honest, those were probably the four favorites in the NFC. That kind yeah. of explains it. And then that opens it up for the East teams and the Vikings. And then because the South and the West, the expected teams are doing bad. That's why you have Seattle and Atlanta currently in playoff spots. So it's just a, a perfect storm of sorts. And it's perfect for the Eagles right now. But like I said, I don't have faith in them going against an AFC team in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs and Bills are both really good. Uh, obviously, Buffalo got the win a couple of weeks ago against Kansas City. So at this point, if they were going to match up in another iconic playoff showdown, who would you give the edge to this season, Buffalo or Kansas City? Mm, that's so hard. And I think right now Buffalo's on a hot streak. But when it comes to the playoffs, and you know I'm a Chiefs lover. Like, you know I am. And that's what makes this so hard. Because I'm trying to decide what I think. Because I think Josh Allen is so electric in the playoffs. And when he gets his team going, it's great. And that Bills defense is really, really good. And I think there are pieces of the Chiefs that have to come together. Like right now they're having like their little running back thing. Like they're not sure who they're going to use. And I think there's little kinks that they're trying to work out. But I think if the Chiefs work that out, like I find it really hard to believe that the Bills beat them. However, the Bills have come so close so many years to finally reaching that point. And I think this may finally be the year they do it because if whoever wins that AFC, that AFC championship game knows they have the Super Bowl, right? Like for the, like, Obviously not knows, but like the likelihood is that they will win it because every NFC team like is so much weaker than the two than like the Chiefs and the Bills. So I'm going to go Bills because I think based on the way they're playing right now and if the game happened right now, but I think a lot can change in a season. And I mean, say like both QBs got hurt. Like, I think I would trust the Chiefs to win over the Bills because if anything happens to Josh Allen, the entire Bills team falls apart. Yeah. And whereas, and I know like the Chiefs very much rely on Patrick Mahomes, but I still think the Chiefs could get by without him in a certain way. Whereas I don't think that could ever happen with Josh Allen, but I'm going to go the Bills. I am going to go to the Bills and go against the Chiefs. So you're, I see you're starting Aaron Rodgers right now in fantasy over Jared Goff. You are five and three and you're playing the worst team. So I, you're, no, you're yeah, it's the whole thing's a mess. I have to deal with that. I've been focusing on my other fantasy league because this one's literally so bad right now like it like hurts me physically to like try and like go through my team and the waiver wire is so little like it's it's a whole thing I gotta figure that out but it's, um it's, it's so it's, funny how there's like actually good players still like free agents because oh I know and I can't pick them up so I don't Tua even is not on a team it's like no, I know like I don't even bother looking at the waiver wire because it hurts me so much to do it to mm -hmm. know that like I can't get those players so I'm just 
sticking with Aaron Rodgers, wanting to cry every Packers game that happens, not following until the end of the weekend, and just crossing my fingers and hoping that some miracle happens and I win. Well, let's talk about some football that's even worse than the NFC to finish off, and that's Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West. Now, I saw a little scenario where if certain things happen, there could be a seven-way tie in the Big Ten West where Northwestern okay. wins the West. I don't think I that's going to that. happen, though. I've been hey, following Northwestern football. What? Yeah. You never know. I don't know. It, it is crazy. It is chaos. I have not followed Northwestern football closely enough because Rutgers hasn't played them this year. But based on what I've seen, I don't think they're very good. You don't think? Yeah. Um, Northwestern's so bad. Like, honestly, like there was a game earlier this year where, like, obviously, like, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to like my first, like, Football tailgate in college, whatever. Went to the tailgate, decided to not even go to the game. Like, literally, and, like, I love football. You know this. No one goes to those games. You go in, and they try to make it look like there's so many people. You look around the stadium, empty. Like, literally, the whole thing, all you see is empty seats. It's so horrendous. I can't even, like, the fact that they lost to, what, Southern Illinois University, like, I was at that game and I just wanted to cry. Like I left early. I was done. It was, it just kept getting worse. Like after I left, like I didn't know it could get any worse and it did. They fall apart. I don't know what it is. They just can't get it going on offense. And when they do, they turn the ball over. Defense can't stop anyone. They have that. They don't have that momentum. Like they don't have that spark. And the football guys parade around campus. Like they're the greatest people to ever grace the earth. And everyone looks at them like, what are you doing? So, I personally have no belief in Northwestern football. I would be shocked if that seven-way tie happened and Northwestern got anything because I don't think they deserve to win anything this year. And I'm just holding my breath for tomorrow's game because if Ohio State put up what? They put up 70 earlier this season. Like what's going to happen is they're going to put up – they're going to nearly put up 50 in like the first half and they're just going to take out all their starters. And it's just gonna be the it's just gonna be like their second and third teams playing Northwestern starters, and they're still gonna beat Northwestern. I wouldn't like, guarantee I wouldn't guarantee that they take out their starters because they were up 40 on Rutgers and they were still running fake punts with their offense. So I mean maybe, but like there's no reason. Like Rutgers is a better team than Northwestern is. Like Thank Northwestern you. football is really, really bad. And that's so embarrassing and like dehumanizing to say, but it's so true. Like they're horrendous. And, this and, is only two, and you guys made it to the Big Ten Championship two years ago. It's oh, like, yeah. Like, I don't know what the heck happened to the program. And I don't know if there's some firing that needs to be done because no one's really holding them accountable. Everyone's like, oh, it's fine. You know, Northwestern just sucks and it's not a big deal. But no one's being held accountable. No one's doing anything about it. It's just we'll get better eventually. But nothing's happening. So for me, I do not have a lot of belief in Northwestern football. And next year when Northwestern plays Rutgers, something better happen because I am not about to sit next to you for a three-hour game and just watch Rutgers decimate Northwestern because there is zero chance that I sit there for that. So you better hope something happens this offseason. Well, Rutgers has only won one Big Ten home game in the last five years. So there's there's a chance. I think if they were to play Northwestern right now at this moment in time, they would still beat Northwestern by a significant amount. Because I think Northwestern would held them. Like, no, I forget what the stat was, but it was like Northwestern hadn't lost to a non-Big Ten team like that since like 2006 or something. And they did. So Northwestern's really good at breaking records this year. So honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too shocked if it happened. 
I'm trying to wonder which game is going to be worse because Northwestern plays Ohio State. Rutgers is home against Michigan, and they flexed that to a night game, which means it's going to be on in prime time to watch Michigan completely destroy Gavin Wimstadt, which is worrisome. After the Rutgers I, just lost 31 nothing in Minnesota. That's true. I mean, I don't know. I think it depends. I think both games are going to be really, really horrible. I think Ohio State generally is ranked better than Michigan and is seen as a better team. But when the Michigan offense gets going, I also understand that they can be really scary. So I think I'd be afraid for both of us. Like, I think we'd both benefit mentally from not watching the game. I know we both will, but I don't think either outcome is going to be good or something that either of us want to see. So we'll just see. Maybe, you know, I'll hope for them to put up more points on Rutgers and you can hope for them to put up more points on Northwestern and we'll compare notes after the games. Yeah, here's the deal for me. I went to the Nebraska game. I went to the Indiana game. Indiana game was fun. I got to see them win. Nebraska was depressing. They led by 13 in the third quarter and they choked it. But when I saw that Michigan was on the schedule, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to help the radio station. I'm going to work at the station for the game. I don't want to go to this because no. everyone's hyping it up. Rutgers has beaten Michigan at home before. That was eight years ago. Michigan is one of the best teams in the country. It's not going to be pretty. I'm sorry. It just isn't. Rutgers does not have an offense. So people here are also like weirdly optimistic. Like it's like parents weekend this weekend. And which is shocking to me because why do you pick the one weekend? We're like Ohio State's perennially good. Like they were clearly on our schedule. The best team that Northwestern was going to play. And Northwestern, like the administration was like, we're going to pick this for parents weekend. So there's literally going to be like, Every Northwestern family in existence is going to be sitting watching Ohio State just pound the crap out of Northwestern, which is so embarrassing to start off. Second of all, people are like convinced Northwestern's going to win. Like it's the same thing. People are like, oh, yeah, it's totally going to happen. Like this morning I walked down and the whole rock is like, there's no W in Ohio State or like in Buckeyes. Like literally, like there's no, like it's so stupid. So I understand. And I think no one at either of our schools should be optimistic because I think it's a matter of how badly do we lose rather than there's a chance of us winning. Yeah. I am very excited for that matchup in September. It is going to be fun, but it's good. It's going to be fun. Yes. That'll wrap up our show. Uh, reminder, if you haven't checked out last week's episode, me and Tim were live at Rutgers, so you can check that one out. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter at Sportspeak Live or NFL Pick'em. NASCAR Pick'em, it's the championship this weekend. Tim's probably going to win that. Uh, quick pick from me, I think Joey Logano is going to win the NASCAR championship, so we'll see what happens on Sunday. But Zoe, thanks for joining us here as always on Sportspeak. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yep, that'll wrap things up. Episode 115, I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off on Sportspeak. Have a great rest of your weekend.